From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Good afternoon. Happy Friday to you. Thank you so much for being with us. Lots to get to on the program today, but we are starting with an update. And you might recall, we talked about this during the busy holiday season and the fact that many businesses and parts of Delta were concerned that the repairs to Highway 17A at the crossing over Highway 99, that they were going to be done in December at that very busy time. So the ministry listened and postponed the repairs. However, they have now put out the timeline line for the repairs. This was after one of those very high-profile overpass strikes by a truck, and we now know that there will be road closures coming and there will be detours in place starting up on Monday. So Delta residents, other drivers in the region are now being advised the permanent repairs to the Highway 17A crossing over Highway 99 have been rescheduled and those repairs are going to start up on January 8th. Well, joining me now to talk a little bit more about this is Jill McKnight, Executive Director at the Delta Chamber of Commerce. Jill, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me, Jill. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, when we were talking about this and the call for these repairs to be postponed, I know we, we checked in with one of the past presidents of the chamber, and she talked to us, uh, I think, from her office in Tilbury, which is one of the areas that will be impacted by these detours and these closures. But what concerns do you have and does the, the chamber have as far as we know the repairs need to be done, but this is going to be pretty disruptive? It is, but I think that um, the postponement of the overpass repairs has allowed for a plan that is better addressing the needs of business. So one of the significant changes to the overpass repair plan is that much of the work is going to be done overnight between 7 p.m. and 5 a.m. And we will see the, the overpass being available for traffic from Tilbury back to Ladner during the bulk of the business day. So this will decrease the number of businesses and residents that are impacted in a sort of day-to-day commute component. So I think this was a very significant change that has come with the decision to postpone the repairs until January. And when you look at some of those detours as well, and that was one of the big ones or the one that was singled out was, and and I understand too, it is still going to be happening a bit. So when, and the release from the ministry going through the changes and or the schedule, it says when Highway uh, 17A southbound is closed, drivers who want to cross Highway 99 from the River Road direction must detour north. They must go through the George Massey Tunnel to the Steveston Interchange and then back southbound on Highway 99 to Highway 17A southbound, which I think that's that's one of the more disruptive and kind of complicated detours. So it will still be in place at some points, but, but do you think that this revised schedule, has it reduced the amount of time drivers will have to do that? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily reduced the amount of time that they will have to make that, but it's reduced it so that that's not occurring at the same time as peak rush hour when the counterflow lane is in. So with that happening between 7 p.m. and 5 a.m., it's much less significant traffic that's going through the tunnel. So that should, we're not compounding more congestion at a point that's already congested on a regular basis. Um, The additional, an additional detour route, the Burns Drive route, has also been opened up which was not an option prior to uh, back in November, which is going to allow an alternative to going through the tunnel. This will allow local residents to use the back roads 
um, and a farming overpass at 72nd Street. And that is now posted as an official detour route for local traffic, which was not an option previously. It's interesting that that one was added to, and I thought, and and uh, mm-hmm. I'm from that area and I'm familiar with the farm underpass and how that area has changed. But I think if you're not a, a local of the area, you probably aren't all that familiar with it. And there are parts of it that are one lane. But do you think that will uh, be a, a welcome addition as far as it will ease up some of the traffic? Yes, I do think it will. I understand it's going to have signage. It is going to be As you mentioned, it is a one-lane area, but they are going to have it dedicated southbound traffic only for the period of the the repair. Um, And so I believe that as people become familiar with the route, that will be a good alternative. And I am very grateful to um, the City of Delta, the landfill, and the farming community for coming together to make this an alternative available to residents. One of the other uh, updates or as part of these repairs that are going to be done, uh, people that are headed to BC Ferries, uh, to the Tawasson Terminal, uh, if you're coming from, uh, as it says, Richmond, Vancouver, Burnaby, New West, and all points beyond, uh, they're being advised that it would be a good idea to take the 91 and go over the Alex Fraser westbound on Highway 17 to avoid lengthy delays. Do you think that's reasonable or will drivers be able to do that or how necessary, I suppose, do you think that will be to kind of get traffic out to to keep it from being such a huge bottleneck during the construction? Well, I think think that is specifically directed to the full weekend closures of the overpass. So there's, in the the release, it kind of talks about two different types of closures. There's the closure of the Highway 17 overpass southbound. And then there are three weekend closures where it is necessary to close Highway 99 southbound. And so the first is going to be January 12th to 14th, and then the second weekend, January 19th to 21st. And that is because they need to repair the the work underneath the overpass, as I understand it. And that's where we are going to see congestion. And it's going to require some patience um, because they are going to have to detour traffic through the tunnel or, or coming through the tunnel onto 17A, onto Ladner Trunk Road to rejoin Highway 99. And that is where they are suggesting that using the 91 and the Alex Fraser Bridge may be a more viable option to reduce delays. So that is going to be congestion. That is going to have an impact on residents. It is going to, um, it would have the potential for some frustration, but hopefully if we can get everybody aware of it and give them advance notice, they can plan accordingly. And it will be a short-term inconvenience of those two weekends for the long-term effect of having a permanent fix, which overall will make everything more efficient. All right. And Jill, this is something that is going to, like you say, uh, impact residents. And there will be these times where it's inevitable whenever there is a construction project and and one of this magnitude that there will be lane closures and closures and detours. Uh, How are businesses preparing for this? Again, not as busy as it would have been had this been done in December, but this likely will also have an impact on a lot of the businesses. Yes. Yeah. And I believe the businesses, I believe we've had more time to make them aware of it, and we're continuing both through the City of Delta, through the Chamber, through other organizations to ensure that the messaging is getting out on social media so people are aware for it. Um, you know, hopefully we can make sure um, everybody's staff are advised, customers are advised, and, you know, hopefully 
people can adjust their patterns accordingly. If we know that the overpass is closing at 7 p.m., perhaps it's a good evening to go for dinner a little bit earlier than you might normally. Um, There's not a reason that we have to sort of stop engaging with businesses. We might just shift our time a little bit to work when the overpass is open. Right. And, and I would guess to the businesses, if we're talking about businesses in Tilbury, uh, there, there are businesses, uh, people might be familiar with the, the new-ish casino. There are restaurants in that area that are right by uh, the area where that work is going to be done. I would imagine they're going to be impacted more because people will want to avoid the area altogether uh, rather than, than people that might be getting through that area or going to other parts of Delta. Yes, I would, I would, I would concur with that. And I guess my request would be um, is for people to look at the ministry's website, look at the detour routes and realize that you will still be able to access your businesses, to access those businesses. Please continue to, to support them and just plan a bit of extra travel time into your process to get there. Um, but the businesses will be here. They're welcoming you. They're ready for you. So please do continue to come to the businesses. Just allow a bit of extra time for the commute. Sounds good. Jill McKnight, thank you so much for joining us to talk more about this today. Appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Well, the deadline is fast approaching for hundreds of thousands of businesses who took out loans from the federal government during the pandemic. And these are the Canada Emergency Business Account Program Loans, or CBA, as they are often referred to. And to lose out, or if businesses don't repay by a certain date, they're going to lose out on some of that loan forgiveness. Joining me now to talk more about this is Jazroop Gosal, Surrey Board of Trade Policy and Research Manager. Jazroop, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So with the the deadline of January 18th, uh, not too, too far away, what kind of an issue or or what are businesses that you're talking to, how are they feeling about this? Well, many of uh, our members are small businesses and they are struggling uh, financially as a result of high interest rates, inflationary pressure, supply chain issues, and labor issues. And this is uh, one more issue that they have had to deal with uh, coming out of the pandemic. And they are very worried. Uh, We know that uh, small businesses make up uh, 97% of businesses in Canada. And this is going to be detrimental for our our businesses and our uh, workforce community. And is it all different types of businesses that have that took part and and got these loans? Yeah, it's uh, very many uh, uh, wide range from retail to restaurants to uh, service industry. Uh, they are all being affected, and uh, they needed this SIBA loan in order to remain afloat throughout the pandemic and uh, try to get back some of the losses that they incurred as a result of the pandemic. And now they are being uh, forced to repay, uh, which is coming up very soon. And so with businesses that took these loans, do you get the sense or do you know how much, was there a a general amount? I mean, it would depend on, on I know, on the size of the business, but was there a rough amount that, uh, or a range that these loans generally were in? 
Well, the most of the businesses that we've spoken to are on the hook for the full 40,000. But we know that uh, a lot of the businesses, uh, they are being given the chance uh, on January 18th to be forgiven for up to 20,000. And after that deadline, it will start incurring uh, interest at 5%, which is going to be uh, quite uh, a shock and detrimental for businesses. And do you know of any businesses that were able to pay back uh, enough to get that loan forgiveness? Uh, There have been uh, cases where businesses were able to. These businesses uh, actually just held on to part of the loan uh, and used only the forgivable amount, uh, knowing that they would then have to pay back a portion of that loan amount. However, because of the uh, errors that were caught by the Canadian government, after issuing all of these funds, uh, a lot of these businesses that needed this money were deemed now ineligible, which has put them in a, a very detrimental predicament. Right. And that, and that was, I know, uh, I was reading about that as well before, that, that we did see those extensions in the past. And I know there were calls for an extension again that uh, that were not, uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't extended. That's why we have the, the January 18th deadline. So what happens then in cases where, because from what I understand, the businesses are being asked to make those lump sum payments. Uh, if they don't, like you said, then, it, then in many cases it becomes a loan at 5% interest. But what happens if business businesses can't even come close or cannot make those lump sum payments? Well, we still have to hear from the Canadian government uh, on what their next steps are. Uh, We do know that uh, at this point in time, many businesses won't be able to make those lump sum payments because they needed all of that money in order to remain afloat. Otherwise, uh, our economy would be in a much different place than it is right now. And uh, most of these uh, businesses that can't pay that money back are, as I mentioned, small businesses, and they employ somewhere around 8.2 million individuals across Canada. And they are truly the backbone of the Canadian economy. And is the reason for businesses not being able to pay the loans back, is it because things didn't bounce back as quickly as they anticipated? Or in the uh, in the case of, say, uh, service industry, uh, maybe the, the holiday season wasn't as much as they were hoping? Or, or what are you hearing from businesses as to why they cannot make these payments? Absolutely. It was a slow... Um bounce back for many industries, especially uh, the tourism and hospitality industry and restaurant industries. Uh, People were impacted greatly by uh, inflation and then subsequent interest rate increases. So people weren't spending as much. uh, And that led to a slow bounce back for these businesses. And uh, this is just another uh, issue that they are now having to deal with that uh, is, is going to cripple a lot of these small businesses and likely uh, end up making them shut down. And in addition to that, property taxes here in Surrey had had uh, jumped up quite, uh, quite a bit, and uh, taxes from the federal government are going to be increasing this year as well. So it's a tax-heavy uh, situation that these businesses are facing, and uh, they need some sort of leniency uh, from the federal government. And what we've been asking is for the deadline... Uh, to be extended till December 2024. So till the end of this year. That's right. And have you had any response at this point? I mean, I know it hasn't been extended, but have there been even discussions taking place about that being a possibility? 
At this point, we haven't heard anything. We were hoping to hear about this in the uh, fall economic statement, and we were hoping to hear something about this prior to uh, the holiday season starting uh, in December, but uh, still haven't heard anything. However, there is still time for the federal government to do what's right by uh, Canadian businesses, taxpayers, and, uh, and their voting constituents. When you talk about businesses being crippled by this and being unable to pay, and in some cases businesses closing down because of this, what happens in that case? Do they do they have to declare bankruptcy, or is that money not still owed even if they close down? They will likely have to declare bankruptcy, but uh, again, we're we're still learning about what uh, the impacts will be uh, because we haven't uh, uh, had that information shared with us yet. Hmm. I mean, that's got to be pretty stressful for a business. If you're thinking that your only option is to shut the door and to close it down, I mean, that's that's big in itself. But then also making a bankruptcy declaration, that's got to be a, a huge stress. Absolutely. And it, not only is it a stress for the business owner, but uh, for the many individuals that they employ, uh, they're going to be out of a job and uh, will likely need to uh, go back in and get reskilled and uh, find new new employment elsewhere and it may not be in the field that they initially had wanted to be in hmm. do, do you get the sense too for the businesses that have paid it back is there a bit of not resentment but th- there are businesses that have paid it back who, who might be feeling well hold on a sec I worked really hard I w- I did all of these things so I could pay this money back by the date that it was due uh, why should somebody else or why should all of these other businesses get a bigger break and get another year extension I think the um the issue at hand is that some of the businesses that received the loan uh, thought that they would be eligible, however, now were deemed ineligible. And so they weren't uh, planning and hadn't had a plan to pay the, the loan back. Um, and so that is really where a lot of these businesses are frustrated. And uh, fr- uh, from an economic standpoint, if a lot of these businesses do shut down and, and close up shop, then the economy in general will suffer and that will create cascading effects for all businesses. And when you say they were they were thought they were eligible, then they were deemed ineligible. Is, is that, Are you talking about are those businesses that got the money and then it was decided that they weren't actually eligible for the money in the first place? Yes, exactly. So they, because there wasn't uh, a lot of uh, fact checking at the beginning uh, during the pandemic, uh, then the Canadian government went in and uh, found that there were about 50,000 businesses or so that uh, never should have received a loan in the first place. And as a result, were deemed ineligible and had to pay it back. Um, and so now it's, uh, it's, going to be quite a a sticker shock for a lot of uh, businesses uh, as a result of that. And so would they be forced then to pay it back then even if they met the deadline because they were deemed ineligible, they wouldn't be um, they wouldn't be eligible then for the loan forgiveness up to twenty thousand dollars? Yes, I believe that is uh, that is the case for for those businesses that are ineligible. Uh, the deadline is only a couple of weeks away, coming up on January 18th. Are you confident at all that there will be a change or that anything, uh, there will be any kind of forgiveness? Or does it look like this is a, a deadline that, that we're so close to it now that this is going to stay? Well, we at the Surrey Board of Trade are going to continue to push uh, our local MPs, uh, our ministers and the prime minister to uh, extend 
this uh, this deadline until December 2024 to give businesses a fighting chance to pay it back. Uh, as a result of the pandemic, as a result of supply chain issues, strikes at the port, uh, issues with labor mobility, as well as interest rates and inflation, it just isn't the right time to be asking all these businesses to pay back such a large amount of money when really it's uh, uh, an extension would make all the difference. All right. Well, we'll be uh, waiting and watching to see what happens next with this. Jazroop, thank you so much for your time today. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, let's take a look at the jobs numbers in Canada and what economists are saying about the latest numbers. Looking at December, many saying it's offering a bit of a mixed picture. And the big question, what is the next move from the Bank of Canada going to be? Well, Brian Yu joins us now, Chief Economist with Central One Credit Union. Brian, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. What are the the numbers, the latest numbers from December, as far as jobs, say to you? Oh, well, I think we look at the national numbers. I think the key, the key here this was pretty bad. There was no job gains uh, across Canada, but it was a pretty mixed bag in terms of where the jobs uh, were lost. Uh, we saw Ontario losing a lot of, pretty much the entirety of the uh, the any. Uh, uh, job loss during in the Canada, while we're seeing areas like BC and other provinces seeing gains. So not a lot of, uh, there's a lot of noise, I think, in the, in the overall numbers at the current time. With the unemployment rate staying about the same or not really changing, uh, what does that tell us with it staying at that 5.8%? Well, it's, it's interesting because we're seeing a lot of population growth in Canada right now. So uh, the fact that we did see the overall uh, unemployment rate stay stable means that there were fewer people potentially looking for uh, work during the month um, for whatever reason. It could have been voluntary or they were they couldn't find the jobs that they wanted. So they kind of stepped back. Um, so not a great sign in terms of overall labor market momentum. Uh, when we do see, again, very little job growth, we still see that flat uh, uh, unemployment rate. Uh, and it suggests that the, we're kind of in this period of, of uh, economic weakness heading into 2024. Uh, and so even with that number, because I know there had been some talk or at least a prediction of the unemployment rate going up a bit, even if it was from 5.8 to, say, 5.9. But but like you said, that could that be because people simply stopped looking so they're not counted in that number? Yeah, that, that could be. And, but I think that as we kind of go uh, in the next couple of months, that those numbers will pick up. We are seeing that, again, we're kind of in this period period in which the economy should be slowing. Uh, we know that mortgage renewals, that's going to have an impact on consumer demand. We're, we're seeing that um, uh, the businesses are likely to be a little bit more hesitant in terms of spending and investment. Uh, so that's going to mean that there's that less of that uh, overall job creation. Uh, and at the same time, population growth should still filter into a, a larger labor force. And that's going to put some upward pressure uh, on the unemployment rate. Uh, not necessarily a full-on recession, but again, a slowdown in the overall economy as we head through the early parts of 2024. I know a lot of uh, people have been uh, looking at and commenting on hourly wages and the growth of 5.4%. So average hourly rate wages growing 5.4% over the same time last year. I mean, on the surface, that sounds great for anybody that's working in an hourly wage job. But what are some of the concerns about that? Um, yeah, so the impact here is that we, we saw that acceleration from um, November month uh, went from 4.8 to 5.4% year over year. Um, 
And yes, for individuals that may feel great because they are getting a little more of a wage gain. Uh, but what we're trying to see here is that um, inflationary pressure starts to abate. And we are still sitting around 3% inflation. We do want to see that to go down. And, and as long as wage growth remains sticky, um, as it is showing that to be the case, um, there is a little bit more hesitation, I think, on the Bank of Canada to cut interest rates to bring it down to something more of a, a more normalized level. So uh, that, that is the risk right now, is that even though we're seeing no job growth on net, we're seeing uh, some, again, that stickiness to unemployment rates that expected to increase, that wage growth could mean that the Bank of Canada sits a little bit on the sidelines longer before it cuts rates. And so, how, yeah, because is that really kind of not in step with the Bank of Canada, the target wanting 2% inflation? Yeah, I think that what we want to see is, again, that that wage growth uh, driving down into that 3% range, um, largely because, again, a, a lot of service-oriented costs are driven by the the wage component, the the how much you're paying uh, a staff. So if that's growing at a fast rate, that tends to drive some of those overall um, prices higher. Um, but we do think that even as that is the case, that slowdown of the economy should mean that uh, by the second, sometime in the second quarter, the Bank of Canada will be uh, cutting rates as the economy continues to falter. And you mentioned uh, people with mortgages, and we know there are a large number of mortgages that are coming due uh, this year, next year as well. And uh, you kind of just answered this, but I know that is a question for a lot of people. What do these numbers mean as far as the next move from the Bank of Canada? Uh, so I think the the next move for the Bank of Canada is going to be a cut. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of risk they're going to be hiking at this point. Real interest rates are positive and they are restrictive. Um so it's about timing. So anybody who has that mortgage, I think they'll be watching very closely right now in terms of the rates that uh, their lenders are offering them because, again, we are expecting those rates to come off. And uh, But the timing right now is the question. Um, and as we kind of through the year, those rates should eat a bit more. And a lot of individuals who are renewing are going to be um, either watching closely and and potentially if they miss that little um, that those little windows, we're kicking themselves as those rates uh, continue to fall. Uh, right. And so your your line was cutting out there just a, a little bit. But again, with the timing, do you, do you think is, is it going to be I, I know it's always gradual with the Bank of Canada. But when do you think we might see the first or we might see those rates starting to come down? Uh, well, we see the uh, the Bank of Canada cutting uh, in the April period of this of this uh, year. Uh, could be a little bit later, but by the end of the year, we had the policy rate coming down to about three and a half percent. And again, mortgage rates are going to fall before that. That we will see those fixed rates continue to ease off over the course of the year. That that will be a little bit more helpful. But people will be facing higher mortgage rates as they go forward. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Brian, for joining us and taking a look at these numbers and, uh, and your expertise on this. Appreciate you making the time this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.